Well, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning and uh, appreciate the opportunity to come at a time like this. Uh, this time like this makes me think of a cartoon that was on the door of a pastor friend of mine. Uh, his name is Dan Esau, uh, pastored in Shaunavan years ago, a number of years ago. And he had this cartoon on his door and on the cartoon it had a, a sketch of a prophet looking guy. He's holding a sign and the sign said, the end is not near, you must learn to cope. Not super encouraging, right? <laughs> but here's the reality, and I so appreciate how this service has started this morning. Um, the songs, and Pastor Darren just starting with this reality of our need for God. Um, if, you're, if you're wanting to turn your Bibles, and it'll be a little bit later, but the two passages we're going to be looking at is Titus chapter 2 and Ezekiel chapter 36 that are descriptive of some of our needs of God. Um, now, I want to make sure that those who are here or maybe listening online uh, know who we are as a ministry of Rock Solid Refuge. Uh, so, Rock Solid Refuge is a ministry to teenage guys, 13 to 18 year olds, who struggle with life-controlling issues, uh, addictions of different kinds, substance addictions, pornography, challenging behavior issues, those kinds of things. And we're a 12-month residential program, and we've been deemed an essential service in Canada as a residential treatment center. And so we're very privileged to keep uh, doing what we're doing. Um, we're also very blessed this year. It's been really quite incredible. Uh, when we think back to 2019, we actually went through some challenging times financially. And so when COVID hit and we kind of were, you know, we're moving through the spring of 2020, we're asking big questions like, like what's going to happen? Is the government going to shut us down? Are finances going to shut us down? This has been an incredible year. And I'm going to be able to share just a few things with you this morning about how God has not only sustained us, but, but given us confidence to move towards growth at a time like this. Uh, and the need is immense. We get just application after application. The heartache part of this is that we're now telling parents, hey, the earliest your son can come into our program is probably April or May. That is extremely sad. But God is giving us an opportunity to, to look to the future uh, with hope for what God wants to do. So um, we work with young people with life-controlling issues, substance abuse, pornography, challenging behavior. Uh, we believe that there is hope. So many of the young people that we work with, uh, whoever it is that's in their lives, have been losing hope. Uh, is there hope for this young person? And we believe with all of our hearts that there is hope. All teens are redeemable. We are bringing God's transforming love to adolescents with life-controlling issues that they may know freedom, restoration, and hope. We do have a bigger vision than what we are doing right now. Currently, we are one location southwest of Swift Current, northeast of Shaunavan, in the middle of nowhere, as our students would say, especially the guys that are coming from cities like Toronto. We have students that come from Ontario, for real. They're like, where am I coming to? What just happened to my world? Um, but we are working to see effective, biblically-based residential treatment programs Canada-wide, ministering to male and female adolescents and their families. Currently, we are the only one of its kind 
in Canada that we are aware of. And the parents that are bringing their kids from Vancouver and Toronto are saying, we're not finding another one like you. So we are based on faith and discipleship. We are a distinctly Christian program. We get a little bit of government help for our uh, accredited school. But other than that, we do not get government assistance because we are completely committed to being a distinctly Christian ministry. Uh, We believe in mentorship, that all of our students need mentors. In fact, I believe that all of us need mentors. I have mentors in my life. If you don't have mentors in your life, I think you need them. Um, Our mentors are there to teach, listen, and encourage our students. We are actually hiring youth care workers that will mentor our students as a part of their, their role. And so if you know somebody that would love to come and work at Rock Solid Refuge, um, or at least investigate it, get them to get a hold of us. Um, and maybe somebody listening here today um, is looking for an opportunity like that. Uh, we do have a fully accredited independent school in-house. Uh, we have three staff members in the classroom, uh, a uh, qualified teacher, of course, and then a learning support worker, two learning support workers at this point. Um, But we are also looking to hire a second teacher uh, for the new year because we believe that God is giving us an opportunity to look at bringing more students in, and we will need a second qualified teacher in order to do that. Um, We also believe very much in just developing the whole person. Um, We believe in developing employability skills. That's not just, you know, how do you use a tape measure or, or how do you you know, do a calculation of something. It's about responsibility, communication, and critical thinking, employability skills. Um, We also are looking to hire a maintenance manager. Uh, So that's a a very critical role that we have at Rock Solid to keep up the facilities. So if you know somebody that would maybe want to come and be a part of what we're doing through that role, it'd be awesome to have them. We do a lot of activities with the guys. So one of the young, young, guy, young men that's going to share with you here a little bit, he's the guy with the big smile with the big fish there. So we had an amazing canoe or a camping trip up north this summer, um, but we do a lot of stuff with the guys. A huge foundation in the, in the program that we, that we believe in is to build relational influence in their lives through all kinds of opportunities. We do lots of different events. We were able to run our family camp this past summer, which was incredible, but we split it up into two groups instead of one large group and did it right on our, on our uh, campus, and that was an incredible opportunity. So family camps, graduations, retreats, Harvest for Hope. Some of you are involved in the Harvest for Hope um, in the Rhineland area. Incredibly important fundraiser for us to keep doing the work that we're doing. Um, We also are happy to offer seminars, and and we actually want to come and um, do seminars in churches even if the opportunity is there. We'll see how all of these things kind of play out, but God has given us some incredible opportunities to minister to our parents uh, of, our, of our students, and we'd love to bring those, some of those seminars even to uh, some of the churches that we are able to visit um, and, and help in some of your scenarios as well. This past summer, we were able to start an equine-assisted learning program. 
Now, we've been doing horse riding for a few years and had a great partnership with West Bank Bible Camp and using their horses and wintering their horses. Um, in fact, we kept their horses all summer this past summer because, of course, Bible Camp couldn't, couldn't happen. And, and so we were blessed to have those horses and a bunch of horses of our own. And the guys just really benefited from an actual equine-assisted uh, learning program. Just brought them into the program in a much more relaxed uh, setting and um, um, it was, it's neat to watch the guys be a part of that. This is, this is the opportunity that we're talking about in what we might be able to expand. We have a house out at Rock Solid that we, for a fairly low amount of money, could, uh, could remodel slightly in order to put some students in it and some staff and actually expand the number of students that we work with um, by four extra students. Uh, and, and so we need people to partner with us with uh, some increased financial support in order for us to be able to do that. And it's not going to take tons. But the amount of applications that we're getting, we would love the opportunity to bring more students in. It is a part of our long-term vision as well. We do hope to build multiple houses on our current site in order that we can move the, the students' living quarters into houses instead of a dormitory type of a type of a scenario just a much better um, way to build relationships and really to build into their lives um, on a day-to-day basis and so that's what we're working towards lord willing we'll open up four new beds in january uh, if if um, the right staff finances uh, and um, an opportunity comes i'm going to ask our students to come up and share at this time so uh, Henry is going to share first, and then Ivan, and, um, and then I'll be back up in a, in a couple minutes. Hello, my name is Henry. I'm from Manitoba, and I'm a Rock Solid student intern. I came to Rock Solid as a student in February 2019, my parents sent me to RSR because I was skipping class, smoking weed, and drinking when I should have been in school. I love football and doing sports, but eventually the smoking and drinking kind of took me away from that. I felt bad about my behavior, and I would always tell myself and my family that I'd never get into drugs. But by the summer after grade 8, I was smoking weed all the time, and I started not to care what most of my friends and family thought. I still cared about my family and all my friends, but something inside me was telling me not to worry all the time and that in the end everyone will get over it. When I started grade 9 in high school I was still doing drugs and I was getting into fights. I got in trouble many times for fighting but I also started trying harder drugs like cocaine and molly. My parents started to find out that I was coming home drunk. I always lied about it but they could smell it on me. The next morning I'd act like just nothing happened. When my parents told me about rock solid I said that I'd never go there and then I'd try to do better on my own but I didn't really take my problems very seriously eventually I told my mom that I would I would go to rock solid I was waiting to get into the program so I decided that I would have as much fun as I could before I came and I ended up getting myself into way more trouble I did more cocaine smoking weed and drinking deep down I knew I shouldn't be doing this but the people that I was hanging around with got me to do these things and I thought it was okay for some reason but my close friends eventually started doing the things I was doing, and I started to see what I was doing was wrong. When I arrived to Rock Solid, 
I was nervous because it was a new environment and being there for a year seemed scary. Throughout my year there, I learned that I wanted to learn about God more than I thought and that the people there were really there to help and encourage me. I started to get to know God in a way I thought was turning me into a Christian. But after I graduated from the program and went back home, I realized that I was still living for myself. I slowly began drinking and smoking weed every day. I told myself never to touch any other drugs except weed. But then I did Molly again, and that was one of the worst nights I ever had. After that, I swore that I was never going to do any other drug except weed, but that didn't happen. One night I fainted in front of my family, and they were concerned that I overdosed. I ended up being fine, and I thank God for that. However, that wasn't enough to make me stop. In August, I came back to visit Rock Solid. I only planned to stay for a week, but after two days, something changed. One evening after chapel during family camp, we were singing and I had a feeling that I need to talk with God. And, in, and it was that evening when I ended up accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I have never felt better than I have after that day, even though I wanted to go back home after my visit. I decided to stay at Rock Solid so I could grow in my faith, help the students, and finish my school. Each day I'm understanding more about how God really loves me and that he has forgiven me. He has been working in my life every day, and I can now say that I want to follow him with all my heart. I want to leave you with a verse that means a lot to me. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Thank you. Hello, my name is Ivan, and I'm 16 years old. I grew up in a caring Christian family. We went to church every Sunday, prayed before meals, and listened to the Christian radio station. In grade five, I smoked my first cigarette, and that became my first addiction. Next came rap music. In the summer of grade eight, I was introduced to marijuana. I loved it. From that point on, I started smoking it often. At home, during school, and while coming home from school. I was high every day, constantly. Next came the parties, and that's when I started drinking school. I would call my mom to pick me up and be blasted drunk. I don't know if my parents knew, but they never said anything to me about it. One day at school, my friend gave me a pill to try. I enjoyed the high and started popping pills. That became another huge problem. I would overdose in the bathroom, but be too afraid to tell my parents so I'd suffer alone. My drugs, cigarettes, and alcohol had such a grip on my life that I started to steal from my family to supply my addiction. My parents would try to lock me in the house, but I would always find a way to leave in the middle of the night. My parents would call the police if I left the house, so I started to run from the police. To try keeping me out of trouble, my parents and uncle started to move me around for a number of months. I bounced between different family members. I did everyone and everything except my substances. To keep them flowing, I'd break into houses, cars, and garages. On the night of June 17, 2019, I broke into a house with a friend to steal anything we could see. The homeowner woke up and heard us, so he broke a window to get away. A few months later, I was arrested for breaking and entering. I was sentenced with 12 months probation and sent to Rock Solid Refuge. Some people might think that would have been enough to catch my attention, but it wasn't. I couldn't wait to get a rock solid and keep living my life. Ecclesiastes 7.4 says a wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool only thinks about having a good time. In the drug scene, it's all about having a good time. You just look forward to the next high. When I started to sober up, the realities of life and death started to hit me. Someone posed a question that caught my attention. They said, what do you have to lose? If Jesus is real and you've accepted him, then when you die, you join him. If he's real and you didn't accept him, then you go to hell. If he's not real, then it doesn't really matter. 
One night, I challenged God to come into my life if he was real. He is real. He came to my life and has changed my desires. I went to work really hard to finish school and get a job in construction or working at a local golf course. Mostly, I want to live the way God wants me to. Looking back, I'm glad God brought me to Rock Solid because I might never discover Jesus. I tell this to the guys at Rock Solid, and I'm not sure if they believe me or not, but I don't know what it does to you when you hear those stories. And, and uh, this is the first time Ivan has actually shared publicly, so I think that's awesome. And I've heard Henry share before, but not that much, uh, not his, his full story like that. Um, but even when I hear the guys share over and over again, it moves me every single time because this is why we do what we do. I'm a mechanic by trade. Like I actually have my ticket. I, I did mechanicking for, uh, for a number of years. And as I was doing that, God began to move in my heart to, to see the needs of young people. And the way in which God moved me out of mechanics, and I'm not saying anything about the trades or anything. It's, it's good to be there. But here's how God moved me out of that. These scraps of iron that are fixing every day, they're going to be on a heap someday, and that's it. These souls, they live forever. So how are we investing our lives in lives? And yeah, we can do that in the trades for sure and in all kinds of, of jobs. But when you show up to work, are you thinking about the life that God wants you to impact? And so God has given us an incredible privilege to come alongside these young men. And it was well over a year of investment of, of our time in Henry's life before he tipped over to following Jesus with his whole heart. And that's what it takes. Are we willing to invest our lives in that um, eternal investment? Um, you can help. And uh, I know that there are people that are part of this church that are already monthly sponsors for, uh, for Rock Solid Refuge, Partner for Change sponsors. Um, and so if you are, thank you. If you're not, and you would like to become a Partner for Change sponsor, I have brochures at the back, or you can just go to our website, rocksolidrefuge.com, and become a Partner for Change student sponsor. It makes a big difference. They appreciate the letters that they get from their sponsors and the, and the notes that say we're praying for you. It really does make a difference. We do need some practical help as well. We need some backsplash put on in a kitchen. We need some doors replaced or installed. We need some security cameras installed in the transition house that we're putting together. Um, and we also need some financial support to go into the new year with confidence so that we can really grow what God is doing um, in this place. Um, and we do very much appreciate the opportunity to come. So I want us to turn now to um, these passages of scripture that I mentioned earlier. Titus chapter uh, Titus chapter 2 and uh, Ezekiel chapter 36. I want us to think a little bit about this morning. Like, what do we really want out of life? What is it that we're looking for? Uh, now, here's one of the things that I want out of life. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to the Harvest Eatery in Shaunavon. It's a pretty, actually, high-end restaurant. How many of you have been to the Harvest Eatery? Yeah. Worth the drive, right? Now, they have this thing that you have to very special order well in advance called the tomahawk steak. Like, you can feed a family with this thing. This thing is incredible. I love steak. Anybody here like steak? Like, this is one of the things I want out of life. 
I want steak as much as possible. I love steak. Anybody been to the Golden Corral down in, the, down in like Great Falls, Montana? Oh, yeah. Like this is like buffet on steroids. Just stand up to the counter there and say, I want a steak. And go eat it and come back. I want a steak. And I go, that is, like, we want steak, right? Now, I want to read you a quote by uh, an author named Paul Tripp. Um, and he writes this. Imagine going to a restaurant and ordering a tomahawk steak. Now, he says a 16-ounce steak. But in ordering a, a steak, medium, rare, prime rib with a huge baked potato slathered in butter and sour cream. The waiter takes down your order and disappears into the kitchen, only to emerge 20 minutes later with a dry salad. You say to the waiter, this is not what I ordered. And he responds, well, I took down your order, but I began thinking about your age and your health, and I decided that you, what you ordered was the worst thing you could possibly have. So I had the chef prepare this salad. Would you thank the waiter and dive into your lettuce? Of course not. Because the desire for steak is ruling your heart. When a certain set of desires rules our hearts, we reduce prayer to the menu of human desires. Worse, we shrink God from his position of all-wise, all-loving, all-powerful Father to a divine waiter, we expect to deliver everything we ask. But God will not shrink to this size. He will only be our Father and King, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Psalm 103, verse 5. He knows what is best, and he will not let there be peace until he alone controls our hearts. He is a warrior king who will not rest when we are captive to other kings. He fights for us for the thoughts and desires of our hearts. Now, did you hear that story this morning a bit in these gentlemen's stories? Right? Their heart's desires were going after the things that they wanted in, in the flesh. And they found they didn't deliver what they promised. And over a period of time and through a series of circumstances came to see that God is the warrior king who will not rest till he captivates their hearts. We are too easily captivated by our self-centered little worlds. But Ephesians 4 propels us beyond a life consumed by personal happiness and achievement. Your life is much bigger than a good job an understanding spouse, non-delinquent kids. It is bigger than beautiful gardens, nice vacations, and fashionable clothes. In reality, you are a part of something immense. Something that began before you were born and will continue after you die. God is rescuing fallen humanity, transporting them into his kingdom and progressively shaping them into his likeness. And he wants us to be a part of that. Did you hear that in Henry's story? He came back to rock solid because he wanted to grow in his faith and he wanted, to be a part of, he wanted to be a part of the journey of other students as well. How God would have them. So I want us to look at these passages t- starting with Titus chapter 2. 
Titus chapter 2, starting at verse 11. Because as we sung this morning, I need you, Lord, I need you, every hour I need you. Do we really believe that? I think that this COVID thing has actually helped us to understand that we need God more than we realized. Like we have everything provided for us in so many ways in this nation, right? The social programs are just immense. But there's a point in where we realize there is something we need from God that we cannot provide for ourselves. So Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in in the present age. The reason why people have lost hope in so many young people that have gone astray is because, like, how does it change? But we do serve a God who can actually change our heart's desires. Think about that moment when you came to faith in Christ. The direction that your life was in. Do you, ever, do you ever actually stop and think about that, even on a regular basis, and allow yourself to enter into what would it be like if God had not rescued me? I can promise you that my life would have gone down the path and was going down the path that many of the young people that come to Rock Solid were on. I watched... Numerous of my friends continue on that path for years. I'm very acquainted with where I would be had God, by his grace, not intersected my life. We need God's grace not only to save us. We ask the question, you know, what are we saved from? In the Bible, it's clear we're saved from the penalty of sin and we're saved from the power of sin. We're saved to live a new life. And so we need God's grace, not just so that I get out of hell free card, but that my life would reflect the character and greatness of God. It's what it says, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. This is a tough time, actually. I mean, the Bible was written 2,000 years ago, Paul's writing. And here we are today, and it is as applicable today. This is a tough time to live upright and godly lives. As we wait for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. So what does it look like? What does it look like when, when God saves sinners? This Ezekiel 36 passage is is so critical, I think, for us to understand the nature of salvation in our lives. 
and the way in which God acts to save. So in Ezekiel chapter 36, starting at verse 22, it says this, Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations, to which... Uh, sorry... To which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you prof have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. Now think about this. There's somebody that's maybe, let's say, let's just say there's somebody like big and scary in your life, like that you know of. And um, like you insult them to their face. Like on purpose, you're just poking the bear, trying to make them mad. And um, they're like, I'm going to vindicate my name on you. You know, think about, you know, the president of the United States, for instance, who's often said to be the most powerful person or personality in the world, right? If you try to assault the president of the United States, there's going to be some wrath that comes your way, right? So here's the God of the universe who says to Israel, he says, you have profaned my name. I called you and made you a nation. I was kind to you. I took you out of slavery I brought you into your own land that I provided for you. I gave you vineyards and gardens that you didn't plant. You moved in and began to eat. And on the day you started to eat from the land, I stopped giving you manna because it was all there for you right there. And you could have it. I did all these kind things, and then you rejected me. In fact, not only did you reject me, but you profaned my name because you were known to the world as my people. And you made my name like dirt among the nations. And now God, through the prophet Ezekiel, says, I am going to vindicate the holiness of my name through you. Now, at this moment, the people of Israel should be trembling and at that moment, when we recognize that we are those people also in our sins, we should tremble. We should recognize that the sins that we have committed have dishonored God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all actually in there with Israel. We don't, we don't get to not see ourselves in the story. But God does something radical here. Completely unexpected when you think about the words that are being used that he's going to vindicate the holiness of his name. Instead of wiping them out, he says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you to your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you 
And you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Can you see the Titus 2 passage reflected here? I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And be careful to obey my rules. This is the greatest kindness we could ever imagine. But you see, it was purchased for us, as it said in Titus chapter 2, it was purchased for us because he redeemed us. Um, He gave himself for us to redeem us. This did not come at no cost to God. See, the work that we do at Rock Solid Refuge, and really we should see it Any of us who are believers that just go about our business and we ask God, who is it that you want to touch today through my life? And when we see those who are not followers of Jesus, we need to recognize that, hey, it's it's not within my power to make them believe. But it is within God's power. We believe that every day at Rock Solid, that we are asking God to do what only he can do. So this is what it says a little further on in Ezekiel chapter 36. Starting at verse 33, it says this. Thus says the Lord God, on that day, on the day that I cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste places shall be rebuilt. And the land that was desolate shall be tilled instead of being the desolation that it was in the sight of all who passed by. And they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations who are left, that are left all around you, shall know that I am the Lord God. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken. And I will do it. When's the last time we attempted something that really only could happen if God came through? I'm going to tell you, that's rock solid story. 100%. Okay, rock solid does not exist because a very, you know, high-end group of people sat down with a ton of money in their bank's account, bank accounts and said, hey, we've got all this money, what should we do with it? Hey, let's start this ministry to young people. Uh-uh. This group of people recognized that there's a segment of Canadian young people that are not being reached. They are not having the opportunity to get Christian treatment for life-controlling issues, addictions. We looked around the table and we were like, "Uh, we don't have anything. Well, I guess we've got nothing to lose then. Honestly, that's what we said. And we just recognized that if God wanted it to happen, like actually nothing can stop it. Do we, do we actually move forward in our lives? Even when we think about, you know, who is that person when you think about 
that is the most unsavable person I know. You ever thought that? There's no way that this person is coming to faith. I challenge you to start praying for that person. Because as soon as we believe that someone is unsavable, we stop believing in the God of the Bible. Because the God of the Bible says, I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it. And I will rebuild the desolate places. Honestly, when I read that passage, I don't think about like farmland and stuff like that. I think about young people. I think about the young people that come to Rock Solid who have been deemed as those desolate wastelands. Because they're not wastelands anymore. They're becoming like the Garden of Eden. Because God has spoken... And he will do it. But it's interesting, you know, that when God speaks and says, I will do it, he also says, I'm sending you. Ezekiel 37 is all about how God called Ezekiel to prophesy to a valley of dry bones. Now, God raised up the bones, but he said, I'm going to do it through you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, It says that the love of Christ controls us or compels us. And then it helps us to understand that we are all ministers of reconciliation and ambassadors. Do we recognize that? Do we recognize the great commission that God has given to us? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. This is verse 16. Even though we we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That is who I see when I look at Henry and Ivan. I see new creations in Christ. Now, are they perfected and glorified? Uh, No, no, we still have to come alongside at times and go, uh, maybe not this, let's rather do this, right? Um, But I think that has to happen in all of our lives, right? And then it goes on. Verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 5. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Can you hear echoes of Ezekiel 36 and 37? That God is going to do it. It's his power and it's through his work. Yet, he calls us to be his ministers of reconciliation and his ambassadors. So what are we saved from? The penalty of sin and the power of sin. What are we saved to? New life that reflects the character and greatness of our God more and more. 
We were saved to good works. We were saved to be ambassadors and ministers of reconciliation. We need God's grace every day. Another quote from Paul Tripp. By his grace, parents can pursue rebellious teenagers with patient, persevering love. By his grace, a wife can put away bitter memories and fully forgive her husband. By his grace, people can exit the prisons of depression, anxiety, and compulsion to live in hope-filled freedom. By his grace, those bound in lust, greed, fear, or vengeance can live in the purity and courage of faith. Another author speaker that I appreciate a great deal is David Platt. Listening to one of his messages, he said this, Will we turn from God and trust in ourselves, or will we turn from ourselves and trust in God's grace? Will we believe the goodness of God? Will we trust the greatness of God and be confident in God's presence? Will we follow the word of God, and will we experience the blessing of God? Will we sit back in fear of the world, Or will we step forward in faith in God's word and his grace? Do we really believe when we step into the world that God calls us to tomorrow morning that God's grace is a power, yes, unto salvation, but also unto new life in Christ as he calls us into this world, masks and all, to do whatever it is that he's called us to do. Some of you fix machines. That's awesome. Some of us go here and go there. Wherever it is that God calls us, are we looking to see how God wants us to be ministers of reconciliation and ambassadors on his behalf? Again, thank you so much for the opportunity to share with you this morning. Um, We'll be out there by our booth after the service this morning. Love to chat with anybody. We appreciate so much the long-time partnership that we have felt with this church. So thank you so much.